and welcome to another edition of Tuxedo Time, podcast edition, where we wear tuxedos, and it is time. time. We're not going to talk about the blouse that I'm wearing right now, because it's very ugly and embarrassing. <laughs> you look like a giant pumpkin. Yeah, this is an orange I mean, shirt. a miniature pumpkin. Shifty <laughs> eyes. Are you calling me fat, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast is over. Thanks yeah. for tuning in. <laughs> in divorce? I'm just kidding. Um, my shirt's really ugly. It's my Halloween shirt, but it was the only shirt that I could find. It says... <laughs> Nightmare before coffee. And it's bright orange, believe it or not. Ew. Fact, this will Becky... not be documented. Nope. This is this is what we call an illegal tuxedo. Do not. Today, we're kind of going to talk a little bit about monetization. Ooh, money. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. money. Well, first of all, the, anybody tuning to this probably sees us on YouTube. Would that be a safe assumption? I would think so. I don't know why anybody else would click on the title Tuxedo Time without knowing what it is. Yeah, this is a fairly obscure podcast, probably only for people who tune into our YouTube channel. Correct. So they probably know that we have not until recently monetized yes. our channel. And for those that don't know much about YouTube, monetization just means making money off of the content we produce. Correct. And there's a number of reasons why we couldn't do that. But first of all, I do want to say that I'm officially a full-time YouTuber. Yay. I no longer have a part-time job. Fun fact, definitely had a part-time job for the last like two years since we've been in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't know if everybody knows that. Yeah, probably not. I guess to preface all of this like monetization on YouTube, how do you make money from YouTube, we're going to rewind a little bit and spill a little bit of like the story, the immigration story of kind of how we got to America and kind of what happened there, why I had to close off all the monetization, why we couldn't make any money from this channel for two years. So rewind to 2016 when we started our YouTube channel and we had less than a thousand subscribers. We didn't start at zero technically. Well, technically everybody starts at zero, but you, we repurposed your YouTube channel from college. We did. I had 300 subscribers and I didn't want to start from scratch, which was a mistake. We should have started from scratch, which is why we have the Roadkill CNA username, channel name, but that's a different time. So we started this YouTube channel and we started with 300 subscribers and we were living in Vancouver. But at the time we also were doing blog content, content on Instagram, and we were just starting to monetize that stuff. So it seemed kind of like a natural progression when we started YouTube. Oh we should eventually monetize our YouTube channel. Back then, there, was, there were no milestones. Every, anybody could monetize. We had ads running on all of our YouTube videos all through Vancouver, despite being a channel that was only, I don't know, at most a couple thousand. Uh, less than that, yeah. like and this, a thousand. And this was before they had those milestones you had to hit the number of subs and the watch hour minutes or watch hours or whatever the requirements are. They didn't, I don't think they existed then. So, so we could monetize pretty much from the beginning. Um, but I mean, at the size of our channel at that point, it was like, it was pointless. Mm -hmm. it, we probably made like 12 cents. Yeah. And so on our way to leaving Vancouver, we felt like we were ready to kind of start selling t-shirts. We had a couple of t-shirts, Pixel and Lens was just kind of starting. And there were a couple of people, we had some like um, proofs made and a couple of people were asking for shirts. So we're like, all right, let's make merch. We've got like 2000 subscribers on YouTube. And Pixel Lens is our photo club if anybody wants to join it. Yes, I'll leave the link in the show notes as well. So yeah, we were set up and we were ready to go on the merch. During all of this time, we were like leading up to leaving Vancouver. You ended up getting your contract cut. And so us going back to St. John's was the plan. So monetizing and dropping the merch line would have made sense because we were staying in Canada. We were going back to Newfoundland. And everything was hunky-dory because that's the way it was supposed to go. We're going to do a cabin renovation. We're going to have home content on YouTube. We're going to do like a little show. Yeah. Newfoundland travel series is all the time. Yeah. That was the, the 
the juicy plans. Um, but then they all kind of went down the drain when your contract got cut. Correct. Details on that in the show notes if you guys were curious. Right. So um, we ended up, shot. well, Chris ended up shotgunning applications across the U.S. and Canada to try to find a job, kind of like scrambling. Vancouver was coming to an end. We didn't have a job. We were trying to figure out where we were going to go. We couldn't go home because there were no jobs. So yeah, like fellowship was finishing in a few months and all our plan just went up in smoke. Yeah. And it was a pretty devastating end to a really amazing start of a year. Um, but it all worked out, I think. I think so. You ended up getting the job in Buffalo and we ended up leaving Vancouver like two months later than we were supposed to leave. And so we kind of like held off on the t-shirts because we didn't want to be like starting a store while we were in limbo for like four months because we were in Vancouver and then we had to move home for a month. We got married and then we had to move to Buffalo and it was just this whole thing. Um, but then we found out that during the process of immigration to America, that the only way that I could make money was through um, a job that would give me the visa to get me into the country. You being my wife, despite me being an American citizen, had to stay out of the country for a set amount of time until your permanent your permanent residency status was approved. Correct. And that could have been six months. It could have been a year. So we would have been essentially living apart, which doesn't 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 really make sense. So I, it worked out because the company that hired me was also looking for a graphic designer slash social media person. And it was just a, a, a serendipitous uh, event that they're like, oh, well, well, we'll hire you. And you basically immigrated on a TN visa. Yeah, which is basically like a work visa. Yeah. You get a job, they give you basically the visa or, or not. They don't give you the visa, but they give you the paperwork so that you can complete the visa. You meet the requirements to get that specific visa and then you can move or apply at the border and then they decide if you let, they let you in. But um, a lot of people think because Chris is American that, and we're married that I could just come to America and then that's it. <clears throat> Wrong. So I had to get a job. I got the part-time job and we had a moving date and we worked with a lawyer. We got all the paperwork ready, everything that I needed to have in order to state my case at the border to get my visa because I didn't have a visa going into the States. No, I had all of the paperwork ready. You had a petition. I had a petition. For a visa. For a visa. But I didn't know if I could actually move to America until the very night we were moving. So we left Newfoundland on November 1st, 4.30 in the morning. I shipped all of my petition and my documents to my friend Christine in Toronto because they wouldn't make it to Newfoundland in time. And we flew to Toronto, drove to her house, picked up the documents, hung out a little bit, and then that entire day was basically like leading up to, am I going to get into America or am I going to be turned away and going to have to stay in Canada for like a year or however long it takes me to get there? Because they could very well turn me away. Yeah, they could. So we drive from Toronto, documents in hand. You know, we got our car documents. We're going to bring our car across the border. I've got my petition. I'm going to bring myself across the border. We get to the border and I say, here are my documents. I have all my stuff. And they're like, oh, no you don't have anything like you need to come in here and interview and then we decide if you're going to come into the country so i'm like nobody really prepared me for this <laughs> this is not what i was told was going to happen so we get pulled over we go into this like holding room you sit down and like they call you up and basically like interrogate you about your entire um, application where are you working what are you doing now what are you you're going to look going to be working part-time what are you gonna do for the rest of the time what does your husband do why are you moving to america like do you have kids do you have blah 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 so all of these questions and then suddenly it was like 
they were asking me questions of, well, they're, why are they hiring you a designer and why are they hiring you for like social media and video and design? Like you only have a, like a diploma for design. So why are they hiring you for all this other stuff? Because in order to come and get a job in America, you're supposed to actually have like a degree or diploma or some sort of work and educational experience for that job. Yeah, they're very big on that. Very big. It's like it's they're very old school in a sense that, you know, they assume that you had to have formal training in an area if you're going to be hired by anybody to do that job, which you had almost a probably a decade of experience at that point doing all of that stuff. Yeah, well, I had a business for 10 years. I went to school for two years, got a diploma in graphic design, worked in marketing company for two years, then a business for 10 years where I did graphic design, photography, um, some video work. Um, and social media. And so they were kind of like, no, no one, per- like, this isn't a job for one person. Like nobody does all of this stuff. And I was like, well, actually it's fucking 2017. Yes. People do all of that stuff. And unfortunately that's kind of like the way things are going. I've seen that a lot on Twitter where people are applying or looking for jobs and companies want somebody who does web and design and social media. You now you have to have like two and three degrees to get these jobs and you're getting paid like shit. But anyway, that's a separate thing. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I'm there. And so they're interrogating me about that. Um, then there's spelling mistakes in my application. We hired someone to do the application. So there's spelling mistakes. Then my diploma from school doesn't have a matching name as my like passport. So my diploma from school says Becky Peck and my passport says Rebecca. So <laughs> that's that an issue. I have no idea. I'm like, where, like the attention to detail is missing. And, and then you, you always th- you think like, even if you saw that on your diploma, you're thinking, ah, whatever. Just like whatever. Yeah. Like, Cause that's like, my who's, name. Who's ever, you know, back however many 12 years ago, who you're probably thinking who's ever going to need to see like my actual name on this yeah. it's like that's my name and they wanted originals i had copies so there were all these things and then suddenly they're like oh so you have a business so did you shut it down and i was like wait what they're like yeah you're not allowed to make any money from anything except for this job that you yeah but you knew for. that ahead of time and i knew that but it was kind of like show me proof that your your business is closed Show me proof that your website doesn't exist anymore. Show me proof that you've told your clients that. Yeah, like, and it's like, well, my website still exists, yeah, but well, I'm just not taking work. Yeah, you know? like, and I'm so I gonna... said, like, I have emails where I've told my clients, like, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, so what are you going to do? Like, my application was for a part-time job. So he's like, what are you going to do for the rest of the time? And I was like, twiddle my thumbs. Hang out. I don't know, spend money in the economy. And he was like, <laughs> That's a good answer. you know that you can't have another job. Like, if you get another job, you have to apply for a second visa. And I was like, this is so much more like confusing and complicated. So anyway, I was shitting myself the entire time. We were in there for like an hour and I was like, they're not going to let me in. They're interrogating me, like all of this shit. And then finally, after a while, they were like, all right, you can come in. So um, I was scared after that to do anything related to, I mean, I couldn't make money. So I was like, I had to make sure that the ads are turned off on our channel. I can't do any brand partnerships. I can't do any of the things that I had on my list of goals that I wanted to do to like grow this kind of into a business yeah and then it was it was also very a, a very gray area because it was, yeah it's like oh does you know having affiliate links that we've had set up for years let's say someone bought something from those like we actually would have to go and scrub every single video of affiliate links like are those considered income income and and then you know something that i something that you had already set up as you know that technically would be passive income you know years ago do you have to remove that and what about investments if we had investments do we have to like you know liquidate everything because you know so we asked our lawyer all these questions and she they just were kind of like well we don't really have an answer for you there's nothing written about this in the law but i would recommend to do anything in your power to not give them anything that could be 
a gray area. Yeah, it's basically don't do anything that could fuck it up for you. Yeah. Tread carefully. Right. So I was like, well, you didn't really give us an answer as to if we should remove all these links, if we should, you know, mm -hmm. we weren't really making money on anyway, but I mean, we had so many videos up. It was kind of a... It would be so easy for somebody to say, you made like 10 cents off this, therefore you made money, therefore deported. you're deported. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm like shit baked. Like the whole time the whole time and people were like oh that's like they'd come to me and i you know they'd be like oh can you do work for me i'm like no i can't because of my visa and they're like well that's not true i'll work you know you can work under the table like no like, no actually i can get I, deported i can get literally deported like <laughs> no thanks you know yeah. so uh, it was in an interesting time because it was about like a year and a half two years that we couldn't monetize but looking back i think it was kind of like a blessing mm -hmm. because had we before we moved with you know, two thousand subscribers started a merch line. You can't sell merch Who, to no audience. It? Yeah, one person, two. You put put in all this work, and then you what? Sell one T-shirt. There was no audience there for the merch. So, I do want to talk about that a little bit after we take a quick break. But um, about you know, making sure you have like everyone's so bent about having to be being able to monetize, but you can't make money if you don't have an audience and you don't have the numbers. But anyway, I think it was a blessing in disguise because it allowed us to spend like that year and a half, two years making videos for fun. There was no pressure because nobody was paying us to do it. We could do whatever the fuck we wanted. And it allowed us to kind of like grow our channel and have fun with it. Grow it the way we want it to grow. Right. And before we go off the topic of the whole immigration thing, I mean, what you experienced, I know that you're a very nervous person at baseline. Yeah. Uh, and that experience was, you know, it's scary when someone's interrogating you essentially and just drilling you with questions because they're trying to see if you trip up right. and catch, catch you in any traps, mm -hmm. um, whether it be lies or things that are against policy. But I mean, that process that you went through was in fact the easiest way to a green card out oh, of any 100%. of the various channels. Like there would be no easier way to get a green card other than having a husband who's a U.S. citizen, other than being born in America, which would essentially get you citizenship. Right. Um, yeah, th that's the shortest path to a green card. So, I mean, I do, I do feel for a lot of the families who we also saw in there who were there sitting there when we got there and still sitting there when we left. Yeah. And maybe didn't even get in mm -hmm. that night. I yeah. mean, it's it was... Uh, well, that night, the other time we got detained at the border coming across and when I applied for my green card, you sit there and you're like, you're scared and you're nervous and you look around and you're like, shit, like I have the easiest pathway here and I'm shitting myself. I can't imagine how these other people feel... Yeah. who don't have as easy of a pathway as I had. Right. You know? Yeah. But anyway, that's just an aside. Yeah. I think the funny thing was with the green card application was like having to prove that you and I have a real relationship. Oh my God. I guess, yeah, I guess people like selling green cards yeah. through fake relationships is a real thing. Definitely. And like try to smuggle people in the country through sham relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, uh, here are some photos of us when we were in high school, when we first started going out. Yeah, the lawyer was like, I need you to provide like proof that you guys like, share finances, you know, bought a house or rent agreement or whatever, but like also photos of your families together, of you guys together. And so I'm like, all right, break out the albums for like, from like fucking 2005. Yeah. <laughs> baby Chris and baby Becky, just like <laughs> holding hands, looking like babies, you know? Oh, How yeah. many times can I say baby? But like, baby. legit, like, baby. Baby, 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 baby. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, it was funny. It was like, okay, well, this is pretty easy, but like, I actually had to be like, here's our blog, here's our house. Here's a YouTube channel. Here's a YouTube channel. For the channel. past year, we've been posting a video every single week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be an elaborate hoax. Can you imagine? Fucking 15 years in the making, all right, bye. Like, you should just apply for the fucking visa because oh my God, you'll you, get it quicker than. Are you using me for citizenship? Hmm. <laughs> 
Has this been a 16-year <laughs> sham? imagine? Divorce. Reason for divorce. 16-year immigration sham. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chris, I'm not. I did not know we were moving to America. No, that's true. That's true. On that note, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about like the different ways you can make money from YouTube because I feel like it's such a weird thing, especially for those who aren't in the world. So I think we're going to kind of segue into how people make money on YouTube because that can be a very, a very weird topic for, I mean, it's think, something that we kind of just take for granted knowing about, mm -hmm. but I think the lay public doesn't realize that people on YouTube actually can generate revenue. Well, I think when people talk about other people monetizing their channel, they just think ads. You make all your money from ads. Right. And that's actually probably the smallest sliver of the pie, if you will. Right. So I've got like a list of five ways that you can kind of monetize your channel. The first one is actually like Google ads. So you put ads on your YouTube channel and then you get paid, I guess, a certain per amount per view. It's CPM, click per mil or whatever, which essentially, despite being mil, it actually means thousand, three zeros. Depending on what niche you're in, you can get different rates and there's tables online you can look up, but it's not a whole lot of money. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, add up to that much. It's a very, very tiny amount. So most people's revenue, who, people who do this full time, comes from other things. Right, and I think when people, they kind of get up, up in arms a little bit about like, oh, I need 4,000 subscribers to put ads on my channel. Is that what it is, 4,000? I think so. You're not getting paid a lot. Like unless you have a video that goes viral, you're not really gonna get paid anything. Yeah. at 4,000 subscribers. So there's really like not a lot to make a big deal out of. I mean, I guess it is a milestone kind of like anything, but you know, people say like, oh no, I can't monetize, make money. Like you're not going to make money. Oh yeah. That, right that, that was very controversial because YouTube, yeah. YouTube came out with a minimum subscriber count and a minimum watch hour uh, count or something. Oh, that's right. They added the watch hours. Too. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't meet this threshold, then you weren't eligible to put ads on your channel to generate revenue, which a lot of people I think were kind of discouraged by that and up in arms about it because for them, they were at one point able to monetize and now they weren't. And they felt that that was something taken away from them. Right. But I think the issue, I mean, realistically though, anybody who had a channel of that size, um, it was just like when we were trying to monetize in Vancouver because we thought it was the thing to do just because everyone did it. Right. But you, you know, you were making pennies. Yeah. Like literally pennies. Literally, you, like looking at the numbers now, I think that we've made this year, and now I think, what do we have now? Like 170,000 subscribers. Like the only revenue we basically made is within the last year, and it's like not that much. So you really have, in order to make like a nice, decent revenue off of Google ads on your channel, you either had to be hitting it with fucking viral videos, or you had to be like the size of Peter McKinnon. Yeah, you, 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 when you have obviously bigger channels, far bigger than ours in the million range, that's not an inconsequential amount of money. Right. Uh, for our channel though, it's like, oh, this is like a portion of a credit card statement. The amount of money that's sit there, sitting there owed to us over the last three years is like, it's nothing to, to balk at, but it's like, it doesn't even cover a credit card bill. No, it's better than poke in the eye. Better, yeah, better than nothing. Oh yeah, for but sure. it's not, yeah, it's not a significant, you can't live off that at all. No, people aren't living off their ad revenue at channel sizes like ours. Right, okay, so the second way you can monetize your YouTube channel is through affiliate links, like Amazon affiliates, um, I guess if you have like um, Epidemic Sound affiliates, um, businesses that will come on board and give you percentage of sales. Yeah, and for this, I also think it's it's a similar, Thing to ads. It's a very small portion. Mm -hmm. So unless somebody makes like a big ass order, ass order, ass order. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, everything has its ebbs and flows, right. but it you know waxes and wanes. But it um, it's not a whole lot of money, generally speaking, for our channel. Right now, you if you were in like the niche of of a tech area where you're doing gear reviews and that's your main thing, and people are coming to you because they're actually interested in buying this product, mm-hmm. there's probably a higher chance they're gonna buy the product. It, where we just put affiliate links for our gear in the description box of all of our videos. I dare say not many people who are watching our videos are like, oh, I wonder what camera they use for this shot. And they go down, find it, click the link and buy it. Yeah. So we don't make hardly anything off of our affiliate links. They're there in case someone wants to buy them. Uh, And every now and then someone might buy a big ticket item and we might see like 15 bucks. Yeah. But it doesn't really add our channel size. It doesn't really add up. Again, millions, people with millions of subs they probably are making a lot more money mm-hmm. for that because a lot of people are just through sheer volume now, driving sales. But then if you take your Google ad revenue plus your affiliate link revenue and add them together, it's it's looking a lot better. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. So that's kind of just one more avenue of, of revenue. It's one more revenue stream. If right, you and I think it's important going into this kind of thing if you want to monetize is to have multiple revenue streams. You can't just re- rely on one. Um, there has to be multiple. So the third one I have here on my list is like merch sales or like digital products, like presets, LUTs, t-shirts, <laughs> you know. how you feel about presets. I can't. That's o- a different. OPP? I can't talk about presets. Yeah, so merch sales. That's... Yeah, so hard goods. Hard goods. So yeah, t-shirts, hats, um, you know, whatever people put up in the merch world. Are we our talking mer- about our merch? We're not talking about... Well, we haven't... I don't know. Are we talking about our merch? Maybe we can just give a little preview since the people who are listening to this are probably the more dedicated listeners. Right. Okay. So there may or may not be a merch line coming out. Small drop, small quantity merch drop, we'll say. So it's not going to be like a full store that's going to be open all the time. It's going to be limited, not limited edition, but limited quantity drops. So Stuff that we've designed and kind of used for the most part, local people to help craft these products for us. And also, in order to stay in true Becky and Chris, but mostly Becky style, (laughs) um, I'm just mean that you enjoy packaging and you enjoy the whole experience from start to finish. Including designing everything myself. You've decided to package everything yourself and hand box everything and hand whatever, and hand mail it. Yes. Yourself. Right. We're not using like a drop shipping company. This is all going to be like straight from... Yeah, and so for the people who aren't aware of how most merch lines work for YouTubers, people generally use a drop shipping company that handles fulfillment. So they handle the production and fulfillment of the order. And they ship it right from that address. And it would look like it comes from this YouTuber's company, but it actually comes from the warehouse in which the drop shipping is happening. Right. So the basically the YouTuber who you buy the merch from has never seen that shirt that they're sending you and they've never involve themselves other than submitting a design online and having another company fulfill it now with that which is, like, which is fine i mean it it's hands off it's easy and it's almost like passive income for those people i think drop shipping really really works when you want to have merch available all of the time and you don't want to have a hands-on approach because running an online store is no joke that's like a full-time job in itself right when it, so, and especially if it gets to a size it's unmanageable definitely so it makes sense to do drop shipping for Definitely. the most part. But for me, because we ran a screen printing studio, which we talked about in episode one, unfortunately, we have a very 
discerning eye for <laughs> quality prints and types of prints and whatever. So um, we have decided instead of doing drop shipping, which is what we were going to do originally, that we would instead do limited um, runs with a local screen printing company that we trust here in Buffalo. Yeah, and that way you can control, and this also being the first merch drop, mm-hmm. we wanted everything to be good. We yes. didn't want to. We didn't want to like just chance it with a random fulfillment company and have things go awry on our first go at merch and only have people angry. For this run, we've decided to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone would fault us for that. No. And we'll just say it's packaged with love. Yeah. A little bit of love in little, there. A little bit of love, troll, little love. <laughs> Sorry if there's like a hair on the package because I can't control my hair falling out. Oh, she okay? sheds. There's so many hairs around this I had a hair issue. Okay, so merch <laughs> is the third one. Um, do you have anything else to add on merch? I, I will say though that it doesn't, preclude us from you know using a dropship company in the future if maybe at one point we do want to have full-time merch available it's much more sustainable because they deal with returns and exchanges and things whereas like for us we're not going to have returns or exchanges because it's like a drop once it's gone it's not going to be there again yeah. until we do another run so i feel like there's definitely like drop shipping definitely has a lot of perks a lot of perks yeah for okay. this one anyway, we'll 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 keep it out doing ourselves, and we're probably gonna hate it. So then, yeah. eventually, I feel like we have to do it once, and then if it's shit, then that that was hard goods. Yes. Or like actual, you know, physical products. Yeah, and then you but, have digital goods. Yeah, virtual products. Yeah. Which is actually in our space, the sort of we're we're sort of in the photo video tech side of things. Sort right? of. Yeah. We're in there. I, I mean, mean, we don't do reviews. Right. But we still do tutorials, and we're very heavy in that. Yeah. yeah. So in that realm of photography and video and film there comes the entity of presets. So for people who aren't in that area or don't consume a lot of that media, it's basically filters for your photos or video. So LUTs being something called a lookup table, which basically is a filter for your video uh, or presets for Lightroom to edit your photos. Like somebody would, you know, so your photos can look closer to your favorite creator's images so that people sell their presets. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a nice thing for a lot. I mean, we know a lot of creators who sell their presets. We actually don't. Yeah. Um, but some people who we know do, and they say that that's uh, a great source like of revenue. Yeah, yeah, because it requires them to create the set, and then it's all passive income. It just sells itself. You know, really, there's no production involved. There's right. no cost. We, we've chosen not to sell our presets at this juncture. All, all of the ways we edit things, and you've—I mean, you've done tutorials about how to grade footage, how to edit your photos. So, if anybody wants the Becky Chris look. You can learn how to do it on our YouTube channel. Okay, so so that's merch. Um, so four and five are kind of like one and the same, but they're different. And if you guys are like starting a YouTube channel or you're curious about like monetizing, I think this is kind of good to talk about. So we've got brand integrations, so like brand partnerships. So like integrations would kind of be like when you integrate a brand or a sponsored thing into your video, but you only talk about it for a portion of the video. So say like we'll take Pete, because Pete is doing these awesome Squarespace ads, He'll do a, like what I would call like an integration where he does like a 30 second ad for Squarespace and it, but the video was about something else. And for me, a partnership would be like a dedicated video. So you do like a full video on a thing and then somebody pays you for that entire video. Would you agree with those two? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how most brand sponsorships or brand sponsored videos work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's either they have certain, generally will give you a list of deliverables that they want and you have to they'll usually brands are pretty good about letting you have freedom as to how to integrate it but in the end of the day all they want is you to integrate it in an authentic way so that your 
it comes off as authentic mm -hmm. and your viewers aren't alienated by it and it doesn't look bad for their product. And of course it doesn't hurt your channel. But that's this has always been the age old dilemma for people who are you know in the social media space who have monetized or have started making money off of it is how do I integrate, how do I make money off this so I can do this as a job without alienating my viewers? Mm -hmm. And there's a fine line, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like it's really important when you're looking for brands to work with is to find brands, A, that you really like, that you would actually use, and ones that you feel like fit with your look, with your brand. So like take, for example, like for us, we don't really have a niche. We kind of fit into like a lot of boxes, but we do like very photo video visuals, like heavy. And then it's kind of like the helicopter and travel and stuff. So if we did like an ad for health supplements, it wouldn't work. <laughs> and people would be like, what the fuck is this? You know, cause yeah. it's so left field. It just doesn't work with our brand and right. it doesn't work. We would never use health supplements. And also like I have, I don't believe in health supplements right. for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just an example, but like you really have to be um, careful with who you partner with. For example, for us, like we didn't monetize for a long time. And then when we did, we had, not that we had to be careful, but we wanted to be careful. About well, we're still we careful. Were. we're still careful. We're still very careful and oh, very yeah. selective. Yeah. Because at this point we've made a decision look you know the partnerships that we do doesn't dictate that doesn't dictate whether we have food on the table right so we've made a decision up front okay when we're starting to monetize let's only partner with brands that we would actually use or that we already use yeah like we've yeah. said no to so many partnerships mm -hmm. because they just weren't a fit i don't think there's anything wrong with putting doing sponsor content and you know i think more power to you if you're a creator and you can like sign a brand for multiple videos and you can put you know six months of ads in your video i think that's awesome it's it's guaranteed revenue for that six months for me i i don't want to always make a video uh that i'm getting paid for and then like have to deliver on a certain date with certain deliverables like sometimes i just want to make a video about whatever the fuck I want to make a video about and I want to say fuck. So I don't want, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to be tied in all the time to doing, I love doing branded stuff because I love working. It's almost like working with clients on a freelance level, but better, you know, when yeah. you're working with brands. So I don't want to monetize every single video in that way. We've done some partnerships say recently, for example, with NVIDIA. Mm -hmm. This podcast is not sponsored. This by is not sponsored, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I use the full name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they basically have a, a killer graphics card in their laptop that's geared towards people who create like us. Mm -hmm. You know, funny enough, I, you, I was chirping you over multiple videos leading For up to multiple this. multiple years. To say, Becky, get a PC, get yeah. a PC. And then all of a sudden, someone, Becky, you've always been like, you get a PC. It's like, well, I don't really have a computer at this point. I'm just going to share a computer with you. Yeah. But then lo and behold, NVIDIA came in and was just like, oh, hey, you know, we can give you this laptop. And, and you were like, oh, a PC of my own? Oh my God. With so a graphics card that can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I can game You're like, I'm on? Becky, I'm platform agnostic. That's actually okay. what I said. I, that's true. I am it's platform true. Yeah, agnostic. Yeah, you are. You yeah. are. So I don't, yeah, Mac, PC, whatever. I think both. You don't give a shit. They're just tools. Yeah. Like you. Oh, burn. I'll go roasted, back yourself. Roasted. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> The amount of times I call you a piece of shit, like weekly, like reason for divorce. <laughs> called me a piece of shit 10 times this saw, week. Saw, saw me poop on a rock and then called me a piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't call you a piece of shit after I saw you poop. I gagged. <laughs> you did gag. <laughs> but I had no, no regrets. Yeah. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, back to the, back to the topic. But, yeah. So back to the brands. Yeah. So that was a good fit. It's yeah. something that we've had even like, it, almost like we led up to it in multiple videos. By accident. By accident. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a great fit. Um, we did one with Sony. 
Yeah. Where great fit. Yeah. You were talking about, you know, you, you had one of their cameras already that you're using for it's like, man, this would be a great intro vlogger camera. Mm-hmm. And we always do stuff like that, you know, what what's in our kit and recommendations for people who are starting channels. So right. that was a natural fit for us as well. Definitely. Um, but like yeah, like you said, we won't we're not gonna do a health supplements ad because it's just not a fit. Yeah. And I think also getting back to kind of how we started off, you know, this was always just kind of like a little hobby and a side project. So the need to monetize wasn't really there to, you know, like I said, put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're in a very, very, very lucky position so that we can say no to whatever we want. We could go a whole year without monetizing anything and it probably wouldn't appreciably change a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Our monetizations pay for my camera addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, like, and and again, creating a YouTube channel, it's not free. You need gear. Yeah. And that's the nice thing too about being able to monetize and making money from your YouTube channel. It's like, okay, suddenly your camera breaks and you need a new piece of gear. Well, now I have this business where I can buy this gear with the money I'm making from my YouTube channel and then also like write it off or depreciate it over a certain amount of years through my business as a business expense. Right. It's everything's a, everything that you would otherwise have to buy is now a business expense. And that's right. no different than what we were used to doing right. when you ran Bold Creative up north of the border. Right. I mean, you had your, you had, you had that company for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So we were, we had, we were used to writing off camera equipment for 10 years and all of a sudden we came to the U.S. and now all of a sudden we're paying out of pocket post-tax dollars for all of our gear. And I was crying silently. And, and it the, hurt. It did it hurt. hurt. But now we don't have to do that because we've monetized. Yeah. So we're back to our original upbringing. Yeah. So it's, it, it is weird because it's like, it's this big change and you're making the money and then, you know, the expenses of the year, but it does, it does make sense if you do start a business in a legit way, business expense, like a new computer, if you need it, like it's obviously you still have to pay for it, but it does help you at the end of the year with taxes. People th- sometimes think, I think too, like, oh, I can buy this camera and just write it off. It's like a free camera, but it's not, you still have to pay for it. Yeah. That's, I think people who don't, or who have never owned a business or who have never been in a business like that, they don't really, they think that writing something, oh, I can write this off. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll write. You can write it off. Or think people say that it's like, yeah, you are writing it off, but that's just reducing your taxable income. You're not actually gaining anything for free. Right. It's just you don't have to pay tax on the income that you're using to that you bought this with. Okay, so we talked about monetization. We talked about having to have a certain amount of numbers to make the money with you know for brands to want to work with you, but then also for the affiliate links. But but how do you actually grow your channel? Let's talk about that. How do you actually grow your social media to the point where you can make money and make enough money to like put food on the table? <laughs> okay, well, I have a couple of tips that I wrote down. <laughs> uh. We'll have a discussion. Okay, so first, uh, first tip I would say would be like find your voice and figure out what you're good at and then develop a brand around that. So for us, like I knew we liked photography, we liked design. And I like helicopters. Well, you liked helicopters, but that kind of came a little bit later. And but drones. The, the foundation of our, <laughs> yeah, and drones. We know you love drones. And sleeping. By looking around at this desk and there's drone shit everywhere. Hey, look, this is my, this is my drone factory for now. We're going to change that. <laughs> I'm going to build you dope ass fucking drone factory. Ass drone factory. So yeah, so for us, it was like, we're, we, I think we're like pretty good at like this thing. Um, but now we need to figure out like what's the delivery like what's the voice and for us it's just like let's be ourselves and be our weird ass selves if i'm gonna fucking swear i'm gonna swear and people don't like it well too bad um (laughs) so we've kind of like developed a thing around that and then it's um you know we're consistent so that's like tip number two is being consistent and working hard um and so i think that we were consistent with our video uploads while still trying to like progress um and get better yeah i've seen a lot of people 
you know, mostly like I, I feel like on Twitter who will say like, oh, I haven't been grown since blah, 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 or my channel's stuck at whatever. Mm-hmm. And you click on the channel and the last upload was like three months ago. Yeah, your channel's not going to grow if you don't upload It's like, dude, often. we've been uploading once every week for three years and we still feel like we're lost in the noise because there's so many uploads. Mm-hmm. Can you really honestly, truly believe that your channel's going to grow if you're uploading once every three months yeah when how much video goes up on youtube every day oh i have no idea but a lot yeah like there it's it's way above real time like every second of every second that goes by there's you know hours of video that get uploaded Mm -hmm. so do you really how do you expect to pop up out of the noise when you're only uploading once every three months yeah it just doesn't work like that so unfortunately if you want to be same with even instagram like you had to show up you had to show up and you have to interact with your people People are taking their time out of the day to like comment on your shit. Mm-hmm. Like you have to take time in your day to comment back or whatever. And it gets weird when your channel starts to grow large because the amount of interactions grows significantly. And so if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to everything, then you, you don't have time to make videos anymore. You will literally be responding to comments all day. All day. Which is not a, I mean, I, I, don't, want, I don't want it to sound like, oh, boo-hoo us. People are commenting on us. You know, it's... No, I love that. I'd love to interact with every single person. It's just that not feasible to do that but when you're starting off well i think even as you grow it's still important to interact with them but if you're starting off like you really need to interact with people and interacting with also people who are similar size similar niche you're doing similar things yeah you know it's like um that's my next thing it's like finding people who are a similar size with similar interests and like working with them so instead of being like hey you know casey neistat you have 10 million subscribers and i have 500 subscribers do you want to collab with me of course it's he's not, not gonna want to no what's it like what's of course it he's not him? even gonna see your message no because he's getting bombarded with like thousands of messages i'm sure right. so find people who are 500 subscribers like you or a thousand subscribers like you or who are into the same stuff yeah or how about just don't worry about the subscriber count and, and just, just do shit. have fun because at this stage if your only goal is to grow your channel then you're doing it for the wrong reasons definitely yeah. And I think too, like people talk about collaborations. I think collaborations are really important. If you're going to reach out to somebody um, for collaboration, I think it's a, I think you should be reaching out to people who are like within the same size, mm-hmm. um, which we already talked about Two, You can't just say, do you want to collaborate? You need to come up with an idea. What is the value for both parties? Like, right. what are you offering them and what can they offer you? You can't just be like, hey, can you come on my channel or give me a shout out? Like, it doesn't work like that. Back when we were in Vancouver, I think we were talking to Brad Friesen about this. Yeah. You know, and he had so many people that would just hit him up because they wanted free helicopter rides. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it now because we have the same, we, we get the same DMs. Right. And he, he laid it out bluntly. Like, he's mm-hmm. a pretty like blunt guy when it comes to those things. And he was just like, look, I have a budget, which I've allotted myself X number of hours to fly per year. Mm -hmm. Why would I just take you up randomly when I don't know you and use X percent of my budgeted hours just flying you around? Right. You know, YouTube channel or not, you know, what's your, like, what what do you have to bring to the table? What do you want to do? Besides like taking my time and basically my money. Correct. Because in in helicopters, time equals money. money, And so like, you're basically, why do, why, why do you want my money? Tell me what I'm getting out of this in this transaction. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I don't, I, I, I try to move away from looking at everything as transactions. But in that case, you really have to look at it as a transaction because yeah. it, it does make a huge difference. You it's give like, somebody an hour of your time who you don't know, that's an hour of time that you can't take your mother up in the helicopter or your friend or, 
for or a coworker. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so it's yeah. There has to be value, and it, I get that's it, Brad. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so moving away from that, my last thing would be like be patient, because people expect it to happen. Oh, I've been posting for three months straight. Where's the growth? <laughs> it took us two and a half years to get to five thousand subscribers. Two and a half years. Yeah. Five thousand subscribers was a milestone that I celebrated and I was excited for. Mm-hmm. But at no point within that two years was I like, oh, I think I'm gonna stop posting YouTube videos because I'm not getting subscribers. Right, because we were doing it from the get-go because it was uh, a basically a diary of our life. Exactly. Yeah, and we're like, wow, we're going to have a whole catalog full of these little tiny movies mm-hmm. that our kids, our grandkids could watch and say, oh, what's mom, what, was mom, what were mom and dad up to in 2017? Exactly. So, yeah, so I, like, just be patient with it. Like the kids are gonna be like, we don't give a shit about your yeah, YouTube like, channel, parents. These like, videos are fucking shit. Yeah, That's what like, they're gonna be like. <laughs> All right, mom and dad, you're washed up. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. Shut up about the YouTube channel. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> okay, Chris, we're gonna introduce a new segment to this podcast called That's Freaking Deadly. What, what's, what's deadly? Your face. Thank you. You're is welcome. that your item? Is that what you're sharing in my <laughs> yeah, face? My thing that's deadly is your face. No, okay. <laughs> I'm sharing my husband's face today. <laughs> so we're going to introduce a couple of different segments in this podcast. Um, this is the first one called That's Friggin' Deadly, where we share something that we really like or that we're really into at the moment. So I'm going to share my thing first, and then you can share yours. Okay. Um, this is not sponsored, but I am a part of like a coffee subscription um, where I pay like a certain amount per month. And the company, I think it's called Trade sends me a bag of coffee like that i i can go and check on the internet of like what's coming next but i choose not to beans show up my mailbox <laughs> bean juice bean juice bean juice so when i like never run out of coffee that's excellent that's yeah. perfect for you it's fantastic you've always run out of beans and then you're like oh i gotta go to the bean store yeah gotta go to, <laughs> gotta go to that bean store hey the coffee excuse shop. me chris i'll, I'll be right back I'll go to the bean store <laughs> sometimes you just don't want to get in the car because i'm a lazy piece of this shit. is the amazon generation that we live in i know but i'm afraid to order beans on amazon you don't know what's in there <laughs> i mean you don't know what's coming from your coffee club no i do because that's like a legit coffee club anyway so actually i heard about it from craig adams i think he was like sponsored by these people so i was like oh that sounds cool so i like did it Oh, so you converted from his ad. I did. There you go. Oh my God. Yeah, I did. Full circle. I was influenced by Craig Adams, YouTuber, <laughs> hiker. There you go. Whatever. He's got some great content. His content is fantastic. Yeah. If you guys don't know who we're talking about, um, you should check him out. Craig Adams on YouTube. So what's deadly for me is FPV drones. I'm not surprised that you said that. And I could talk on this topic for a long time. Please but I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis. FPV stands for first person view. Uh, and they're basically drones that you build yourself and they have camera little cameras on them and they beam the <laughs> beam they beam. they beam the image back to your little goggles and you have a remote controller and you just fly the drone through the goggles yeah, and it's of sick. course in order to comply with faa we have to have a visual observer on the ground who is maintaining line of sight at all times um but yeah fpv drones i've been really into it so we've made a couple of videos on our youtube channel about them because they can give these really interesting uh vantage points that you, mm-hmm. that you literally couldn't get with any other device right i mean they're probably most like helicopter aerial footage where the with the bank turns and things like that but you can fly them in tight little spaces so you can shoot through little tiny gaps that obviously you couldn't do in a helicopter so they really are they've it's it's created this new uh genre of filming mm-hmm. you know you've fly. been obsessed you've been like really into the fpv well lately. it allows me to 
get air because interestingly enough and not getting too into this but the thing that got me into helicopters was being able to the thought of being able to capture these amazing shots of this first person views with cameras that are nose mounted on the helicopter mm-hmm. and i remember like when i was a kid i saw these this video in music class of all classes of these sweeping shots going across following a river and i was like oh my god that's the most amazing feeling ever and i love the way that video made me feel as a kid that's so cute and i've been chasing that with helicopters mm-hmm. um unfortunately oh my god, that's why you're always like bombing riverbeds and shit like yeah unfortunately that. that's the most dangerous <laughs> way to fly is flying low flying fast um you know nap of the earth style flying vietnam style it's exhilarating uh but i find i feel like fpv drones allow me to take that a step further and just do insane stuff with a camera that obviously I wouldn't do with a helicopter that I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> and when, you know, if, and when you crash, it's a small little drone, not a not expensive death. helicopter and death. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so I'm, so in conclusion, FPV drones, they're deadly. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Well, um, we're coming up on uh, the time. So the tuxedo uh, time. Well, where we're we all, tuxedos and it is time. It's already tuxedo time, but I'm getting a little thirst eye. All right. Well, we should go eat something and we will see you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye.